Father, thank you that we are your children. Thank you that you want to speak to us lovingly uh, this afternoon. Lord, please come by your Holy Spirit and minister to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, would you be seated? Well, thank you very much for my uh, rosette, which I'm very proud of. I don't know what the good people of Broxbourne and Wormley will make of it uh, tomorrow morning. But did you, did you have a good afternoon? Anyone go walking? Fantastic. Anyone have a sleep? Couple. Wonderful. Wonderful. Good. Well, just to, to recap where we have been and uh, where we're going, um, as I said, my hope across these uh, three talks is that uh, we're starting to recapture what, what this purpose is that God has for us, uh, why he made the whole world as a setting for his dealings uh, with us, uh, that we can orientate ourselves uh, to take hold of that, and crucially, that God can meet with us and empower us uh, to do so. And so we had the first um, session before the, oops, thank you, uh, first session uh, uh, this morning, we were looking at the purpose of the Christian life, the Father's good pleasure, uh, that his primary purpose is for us to become like Jesus, fully human, as Jesus is fully human, and that he takes great pleasure in that uh, because he loves us and wants to be in relationship uh, with us like like Arthur. And in the second talk, uh, we were looking at the shape of the Christian life. So you, this union uh, with Christ, looking at Galatians uh, 2.20 uh, and how Paul talks about this identification with Christ in his death so that he can manifest his resurrection power in us and how that happens in our ordinary everyday lives uh, in the context of living a relationship with him, asking and listening, this dynamic, and so that he makes his life in us. And so just as he loved us and gave himself for us, uh, even so he helps us to give ourselves away to him and to others and fills us with his uh, self-giving uh, love. And this third talk then is, um, is an exploration. Uh, and so we're going to look at how we can step into uh, this life, which is the sort of central purpose that God has for us, uh, which is union with Christ, how do we step into uh, that? You know, how do we live a life of trusting faith, of prayerful communion uh, with him, of, of wanting to do his will? And at the end, we're going to have a time of uh, worship and an opportunity to be uh, prayed for. Do you know uh, the one about the gorilla at Edinburgh Zoo? Well, Charlie does. She's heard this a couple of times. Sorry, Charlie. Well, one day, uh, the gorilla at Edinburgh Zoo died. Oh, thank you. On behalf of the gorilla, thank you. Um, and, and the gorilla were at the, the zoo were at a real loss because the gorilla was their star attraction. And uh, they were thinking, well, what are we going to do now? You know, this is the main sort of source of visitors to the zoo. So the manager of the zoo came up with a plan. Uh, and they bought a gorilla costume. And they said to one of the zookeepers, you get into that. And then you go into the enclosure and just pretend to be a gorilla. Well, well he wasn't really sure about this plan. And, and so when they first put him in the enclosure, he was kind of a bit sort of um, uh, hesitant at first. But he kind of grew into the role and he started to do a few little swings and a few like little motions. And actually, people thought this is quite amazing, this gorilla. Uh, and these, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the crowds flocked to the enclosure. Uh, and by, by you know, the end of the day, they were just 
loads of people packed in to see this incredible uh, gorilla doing these amazing uh, tricks. Well, after a little bit, our, our friend got a little bit um, overconfident. And so um, he was going for like a really big uh, triple salto um, off, off uh, one of the branches. And he overcooked it. And he went sailing over the fence of the enclosure and landed in the neighboring enclosure with a thud. A few feet away from the lion whose enclosure it was. So anyway, as he landed and with a thud, the, the, the lion that had been asleep sort of uh, woke up, uh, sort of brushed his eyes, looked up, saw our friend, got up and started padding uh, towards him. At, at this point, um, our friend rather lost his composure and he started to cry out, help, <laughs> help. And at that point, he heard a voice from inside uh, the lion saying, shut up or we'll both lose our jobs. <laughs> The point of the story is that to be a gorilla on the outside, you have to be a gorilla on the inside. And to live this Christian life that God sets before us, you have to have God on the inside. The Father's good pleasure is that the life of the Son, the life of Jesus, might be recreated in us. And the only way that can happen is if we hand our lives over to the Holy Spirit. Only by being having God on the inside can we live for God on the outside. And at the beginning of the Christian life, uh, we say, Lord, I give you my life. And at the end of the Christian life, we won't say, I did this or I did that. All we'll be able to say to him is, Lord, I gave you my life. About um, 18 months ago, as part of um, my sabbatical, I went for two weeks uh, to Chile, uh, we've got a couple in our church called Jan and Ara, uh, who are from Chile, and they've been on our staff team for about five years. And they are so passionate uh, for Jesus. They are so joyful in hope, so patient in affliction, so faithful in prayer. And I guess having spent five years with them, I wanted to go and experience like where they had uh, come from. And Jan's dad, Alf, is a, is a bishop in the church, the Anglican church in Chile. So I went and spent two weeks with him. Hey, one of the first days I was out there with Alf, we, we, we were on the tube uh, in rush hour in Santiago. And he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, um, I'm going to say something. I thought, really? Uh, so he said, ladies and gentlemen, to the whole carriage, uh, we, what? <laughs> we are from the Santiago, Santiago Transport League of Preachers. Are we? <laughs> I just a little two minutes. Any problem you have in your life, Jesus Christ can help you. And everyone listened. And it's beautiful. We got off the tube and it was great. And about uh, uh, after that, he took me to the Pentecostal Cathedral uh, in Santiago. As well. and trumpets and uh, guitars. There's about 300 people in the gallery and they were the band. Anyway, we had tea with all the pastors and, um, and, and then we sat on this massive podium about five metres above the rest of the congregation. And, and Alfred scribbled something on a napkin over, over the tea, uh, but I think it got a bit lost in translation. I think it was a bit of a sort of Chinese whispers moment because when it came to the introduction, the pastor said, and we welcome also Reverend Dr. Charles Hudson. Great. I thought, that sounds nice. Rector of London. 
and its universities. I thought, wow, <laughs> yes, come on. About halfway through the service, Alf tapped me on the shoulder and he said, um, you're going to have to say something in a minute. Like 5,000 people who are Spanish or Spanish-speaking. Um, and you know, it says that verse, uh, I can't remember where, you know, don't worry what you'll say, the Holy Spirit uh, will testify. Well, before I went to, to Chile, I, I, I tried to learn, start to learn Spanish, but I, other things got in the way. So by the time I left, I was, um, uh, do you know Duolingo, you know, for learning language? I was 2% fluent. <laughs> So as long as, as long as we were sticking to like vegetables and, and, and primary colors, I was, I was totally fine. But in that moment, I'd, only, I'd learned two or three random phrases of um, Spanish. And in that moment, one of them popped into my head. Uh, and I thought, oh, just for this moment. So I got up and said, thank you to the pastor for his introduction. It's wonderful to be with you. Um, I'm sorry I don't speak your beautiful language, but I do know one Bible verse in Spanish, which is true. So I said, yo me alegro cuando me dicen. Vamos a la casa del Señor. <laughs> Amazing. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I said, what a great privilege it is to be in this great house of the Lord with you, worshipping him uh, tonight. And in the middle of my time there, um, I was trying to make sense of what the Lord had been doing in my life. You know, the leadership program, the theological conference with Rowan Williams, the experiences I'd been having uh, in Chile. And I had this great urge uh, to read Romans chapter 8, which is where um, Paul most powerfully, I think, unpacks this life of the Spirit. And um, so I locked myself away for about four hours in the little theological college in Santiago and just spent it pouring over four verses uh, from Romans uh, chapter 8, the beginning. It's a bit small, sorry. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Wow. Fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh, but according to to the Spirit. And I guess the thing that kind of uh, percolated from that for me was, you know, I'd always thought as the beginning of that verse, therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'd always thought that as kind of in, in isolation. You know, I realized I essentially thought of it as like everything we talked about this morning about the cross, about Jesus' death for us and the difference it makes as something quite abstract. You know, in Christ, we're entirely freed from the weight of judgment, of condemnation, but I shouldn't necessarily expect much to change in my life going forward. I shouldn't necessarily expect the Father's good pleasure to be um, manifested, to be fulfilled in my life. I shouldn't necessarily expect this union with Christ that Paul speaks about. And so as I was pouring over these verses, I started to see how concrete it is for Paul. And in fact, how that first verse is intimately connected to what comes after us. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It's not just that he's forgiven us. He also wants to transform us. They're, they're intricately connected. Irenaeus of Lyon, who we met uh, this morning, uh, spoke of Jesus and the Holy Spirit as the two hands of the Father uh, through whom he works in us. 
They're distinct, but they're in perfect harmony. You know, Jesus, we're set free in Jesus. But it's the Holy Spirit who makes that real in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit who sets us free from the law of sin and death, who takes what Christ has done for us and who makes it operative, effective in our lives. People had the law and uh, they said, wow, they're great laws. And all these laws don't uh, kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, etc. They're great laws. If we live like that, life would be amazing. And then they tried to live like that and they found they couldn't. And so the law, instead of becoming like a blessing, was a huge burden. They were desperately trying to do it, uh, but finding that they couldn't. And then God says, towards the end of the Old Testament, I'm going to do something new. This is my promise. Instead of the law being on the outside, like the gorilla suit, I'm going to put something in you on the inside that you're really going to want to do. It's going to come from the heart. You're going to want to live this life from the heart. And in Ezekiel 36, God says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That's how he does it, by the Holy Spirit coming to live in us. Imagine this rubber glove um, is you and me. Um, and imagine this Bible is the commands of God, if you like, the full Christian life. Now imagine we were to ask this um, glove uh, to pick up uh, the Bible. You know, what's going to happen? Not a great deal. Um, sorry, I should have said it's um, completely limp. I'm afraid that's you and me. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's you and me. You know, I can shout all I like at the glove. You know, it's not going to make any difference. Miserable sinner! Get up! Not, I can shout as loud as I like. It's not going to make any difference. What's needed is for God to come and take control of our lives. Like the Holy Spirit comes and fills our life. And then we can pick up all that God has for us. And walk into this. It's a good job no one's taking a photo at this point. It's a, it's got, it's, oh dear. What was that about? And when he does, when he comes, when we allow him to come into our lives, uh, then we find we can walk into the things he has for us. So what's our role in all of this? In Romans uh, chapter 8, Paul goes on to say, for those who live according to flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. The American revivalist R.A. Torrey wrote this. He said, it is of the highest importance from the practical standpoint that we decide whether the Holy Spirit is merely some mysterious and wonderful power that we in our weakness and ignorance are somehow to get hold of and use, or whether the Holy Spirit is a real person, infinitely holy, infinitely wise, infinitely mighty, infinitely tender, who is to get hold of and use us. 
If we think of the Holy Spirit, as many do, merely as a power or an influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in a biblical way, as a divine person, our thought will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? I think you see an enormous uh, difference, uh, don't you, in the uh, disciples, uh, between the disciples of the Gospels and then the Apostles uh, in the Acts of the Apostles. In the Gospels, the disciples are full of jubilation at Jesus' triumphs and popularity. But the moment he courts unpopularity uh, or predicts his demise, they're bewildered and crestfallen. But the other side of Pentecost, they are completely transformed. They are fearless. They cannot be cowed. They suffer all kinds of trials and hardships. They rejoice to be counted worthy to suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. When we see the Holy Spirit as a power to be used in our lives, when the difficulties come, we are perplexed. When we see the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, one to whom we must yield, then we find he grows his fruit in us, love. Self-control the Holy Spirit. One of the other things I did um, during my sabbatical is uh, I spent my Sundays worshipping in um, black majority uh, Pentecostal churches in North London. Wow, what a joy. Not a patch on all souls, obviously. but um, <laughs> And the culmination of that was um, I went to something called the Festival of Life. Has anyone ever been? No. 40,000 Nigerian Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Probably less distracted doing that than. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cool. Um, so I went to. Um, so I spent this. Um, I spent the, the, these. Um, my Sundays going to these black majority uh, Pentecostal churches in North London, and then I went to the Festival of Life, which is forty thousand Nigerian Christians in the Excel Centre overnight for prayer and worship. Oh my. <laughs> And the head of the redeemed Christian Church of God, from um, uh, who they call Daddy Geo, um, uh, he came over from uh, Lagos, where the equivalent event is um, a million strong, a million people. And, and he stood up to preach at 2 a.m. in the morning, and he sat down again at 4 a.m. And people had their kids there. I mean, full on. And, and during the introductory worship, they brought on a Nigerian worship art- artist, Nathaniel Basse, Except they, uh, they announced him not as like worship artists, what have you. They said, this anointed minstrel of the Lord. <laughs> that was rather nice. So we don't have worship leaders in our church anymore. We have uh, anointed minstrels of the Lord. Do, do, do you like that, Carl? Yeah. Good. I said, the event takes place in, in Lagos. And there are a million people there. And I, I've not been, but here's a photo uh, of it. So it just goes back as, as far as you can see. Um, and one of the things he does is he sort of casts out these blessings uh, and people rise from their seats uh, to claim them. Uh, and he did the same thing at the Excel Center, you know, he casting out his blessings, people rise up. The one I really loved was he said, there is someone here who says, if only two people are blessed today, let me be one of them. 40,000 hands go up. <laughs> it was just genius, absolutely genius. Now that might sound quite a selfish thing, everyone clamoring for the same blessing. 
But actually, every time he prayed something, joy, healing, reconciliation, blessing, he afterwards got everyone to hold hands with each other and to take what they had just prayed to receive for themselves and to pray it for the people next to them. As the Holy Spirit infuses us, he blesses others through us. But he doesn't just work through the blessings. Uh, you know, he works in the hard uh, times of life as well. You know, if you're here and you're walking through, you know, a really hard time, actually, it's not that the Holy Spirit is not at work in your life. He might be particularly at work in your life. The hard thing is that we don't always uh, feel it. I love this clip uh, from the Bible teacher, Derek Prince, uh, who's talking about the loss of his um, uh, wife and the way through that deep pain, that deep pain of our experience, Christ forms his life in him and, and, and made him a spring uh, to others. So we might have to just go back to the beginning, if that's all right. Many of you are in the Lord's service. In fact, you all should be in one way or another. By what are you moved? What motivates you? What prompts you to do the things you do? To speak the words you speak? To relate to people the way you do? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Is that really what is motivating us? Is it the love of God? Is it compassion? I, I share something which God sometimes impels me to share. It's very difficult to share. It's very painful. But after my after God called my wife Ruth home to himself, I went through a time of deep grief. But I learned how much people loved me. It was a revelation. I got people from different, different denominational backgrounds comforting me, assuring me of their love and their prayers. I never knew there was so much love in the world till that happened. I didn't know that so many people loved me, and I'm sure I'm not an easy person to love. But after all, persevere, and you can achieve it. But I got one letter from a lady, I don't even remember her name. And she directed me to Psalm 84, verse 6. It says in verse 5, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. In other words, he has no permanent residence in this world. He's on a pilgrimage from one world to another. <clears throat> And then it says about these people, and this is the verse the lady quoted to me, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Now you need to know that Baca is the Hebrew word for weeping. You can't understand that psalm unless you know that. So as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. And what this lady said to me was this, 
You may have to pass through the valley of weeping, but you don't have to stay there. And that in, that that impacted me so deeply that I couldn't read any further. For one hour, I just sat and gazed at that verse. And God did something. It says, as they pass through the valley of Barca, they make it a spring or a fountain. And at that moment, God opened a fountain inside me. Something I, I mean, I've been a Christian nearly 60 years, speaking in tongues and doing all those things. But there's something completely new happened in me. A spring, a fountain was opened inside me. And it was a fountain of compassion. And it was unlike anything I've ever experienced before. I've known the love of God. I've loved many people. I've certainly loved each of my wives and my family. But this was something not from Derek Prince. It has another source. It was a spring. It was a fountain. And it was compassion. And I had never experienced anything exactly like it before. And I began, just began to understand what it means when it says Jesus was moved with compassion. I it's an amazing clip, isn't it? Because even in the midst of something so painful and so difficult, the Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit is at work uh, to bring uh, his life. And in the Old Testament, he talked about a spring. In the Old Testament, particularly uh, in the book of Isaiah, uh, water is used as a metaphor of this new life that God is wanting to pour out in us. And, and you remember that in uh, John's gospel, uh, Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then later in his gospel, John records Jesus as saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And then John continues to say that's the Holy Spirit who hadn't been uh, given uh, yet. I have a little bracelet which I, I wear. It's my only other uh, Spanish phrase. Um, Asme una fuente de agua viva, Señor. Make me a spring of the waters of life, Lord. As we give ourselves to him, the prayer is that he fills us, fills us with his life and helps us to flow over to others. And then finally we come to, I said this morning we're starting in the first verse of the Bible. We're coming into land, we, 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 we come to the final um, uh, verse of the Bible, uh, Revelation chapter uh, 22. And you have this picture um, of uh, the end of all things. And John's given this vision uh, for these beleaguered Christians who are being persecuted. Flowing uh, from the throne of God and the Lamb, as flowing from the Father and the Son. In other words, what could flow from the Father and the Son except for the Holy Spirit? And at the end of all things, the Spirit is given in all his fullness. Uh, twelve is the number of fullness. Uh, and by the side of the river, there's a tree with its twelve kinds of fruits, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And the tree leaves the tree offer healing for salvation. And this salvation is 
that which the Spirit brings in all his fullness to enfold us into communion with the Father and the Son. And so in this eternal city, there's no more night. Uh, God's presence is all in all. Uh, the glory of the cosmos is, uh, fills the, co- his glory fills the cosmos uh, and the saints fe- see him uh, face to face. And then there's this closing appeal uh, in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let everyone who hears say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty, come. Let everyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. And so it's the Holy Spirit who is beckoning uh, those who are thirsty for water, those who are thirsty for him to come. But it's also the bride, the church, which is saying, come. All those who have heard the words of John, who are saying to others, come. When I was um, heading out uh, to uh, Chile, I asked Jan and Ara to organize a little meeting of their friends there, you know, those they knew who were like them, so that we could have a little uh, prayer meeting uh, together. Uh, and it was arranged, my hosts uh, were going to host it, um, and, um, and when, the, when the time came, the evening came, no one could make it. Everyone had something else uh, to do. Uh, and so we were left with just me and my hosts, uh, a, couple, uh, uh, a couple who are actually my, uh, Jan and Nara's brother and sister who are also married to each other, uh, and one of their friends, and then three people that they had randomly met in another city in Chile. Uh, and so these three people from this other city in Chile came, thought they were coming to listen to this English guy uh, who was uh, coming to this house. But it was pretty clear within a few couple of minutes that actually we had come to listen uh, to them. Uh, and what followed was one of the weirdest hours of my whole life. Are you okay for this? It's like, can I, can I be a bit weird? <laughs> You're not sure. Okay. So basically it was a guy, his wife, and a young girl. And they started explaining how, he started explaining how God had started waking him up in the middle of the night to pray. And he had all sorts of strange, I mean, really strange experiences. And as we were talking to him, we're like, wow, that's really weird. I have no theology for that. And we'd ask him again, and he'd say something else completely weird. And then we'd sort of keep going like this for about an hour. Then after an hour, they said, um, well, should we pray? And... Um, I was kind of weirded out, so I sort of hung back and thought everyone else can go uh, before me. But uh, at the end, they said, well, why don't you come and be prayed for? Uh, And I don't know what you do at All Souls nowadays, but all I can say, their style of prayer ministry was, um, again, the weirdest thing I've ever encountered. It was like going through security at Heathrow. Um, So the wife was behind me, kind of raking my back with her fingers. (laughs) And the young girl was prostrate in front of me, holding onto my shoes. It was the most bizarre uh, thing. But he, what he prayed made total sense. And it was all about letting the Holy Spirit have his way in my life. And all I can say is I have never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, the weight of his glory, like I did in that moment. When he finished praying, for a few moments, I was literally immobilized. I felt like I couldn't move. But all I can say is for months and months after that experience, I had an insatiable desire to live for God. And he has transformed my life. On the outside, I have lost people I love. I have challenges in ministry. There have been setbacks. But on the inside, these have been the best years of my Christian life. Prayer, which used to be something I felt constantly guilty about, is something that I love now. My times with the Lord are the most special times of my day. And I have wrestled and wrestled with that 
to no avail for years. At first, I think it was a bit full on for Charlie uh, when I came back from Chile. But actually, I think at a critical moment in our family's life, God has enabled me to be present and available in our family in a way I simply wasn't before. And before, there were all sorts of things that had a hold on me in my life that I couldn't break free from. And through this experience, he has set me you. I would love you to experience. So that's what the Holy Spirit, when he comes into us. And so I think Carl um, and the band are going to come up. They're gonna, um, we're going to sing uh, in a moment. But, but at the end of that, there's going to be an opportunity to receive. So I'm going to pray. And if you would like to receive, then, then I encourage you to do that. And what we're really praying for is for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, for him to take control of our lives, for him to change us so that we might be the people that he wants us to be. Are you up for that? Would you like to stand? We're going to worship.
Thank you that you're by your Holy Spirit and that you want to work in our hearts right now. Thank you that your desire is to recreate the life of Jesus in us, in our everyday lives. And so I just encourage you, if you're, if you're comfortable with this, uh, this is a time of prayer, so uh, you might want to keep your eyes closed uh, if you're wanting to pray. And um, if you're comfortable, you might want to let, put your hands out in front of you. And that's kind of a, a way of saying to God, I would love to receive. I would love to receive this. I would love you to come into my life. And um, you don't have to. Uh, it's what goes on in your heart that matters. But, but just as a sort of physical sign uh, to God, you might just want to put your hands out. And then we're just going to invite him to, uh, to come and fill us afresh. Holy Spirit, you are the Lord, the giver of life. Lord, you made everything that we see, and Lord, you can do anything in us. Come, Lord. Come and fill your people afresh, we pray. And let's just wait on him. There's going to be some waiting. And in that time, I just encourage you to say, to God, what it is you would like him to do for you, what it is you want him to do in your life. And just ask him and say, thank you, Lord, and ask him to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord, in your, in your love and in your power, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think there might be one person here. Just stay, stay praying. Stay asking God. Say, Lord, fill me, fill my life. I think there might be one person here, possibly. There might be someone here who, who actually you, you would love to give your life to the Lord. Uh, you've heard what we've been talking about this morning and this afternoon, and you think, oh, I've never really done that. I've never really said, Lord, I give you my life. Um, but I also think there might be some people here who um, you might feel that you want to do that again. Maybe you did that years ago, but, but you realize it's an ongoing thing and, and, and you want to say afresh to him, Lord, I give you my life. I hand it over to you. And so I'm just going to lead you in a prayer 
to do that. So whether that's the first time or, or, or kind of renewing that, just, just echo this prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for me. Lord, you loved me and gave yourself for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Lord, I want to turn from all the things in my life that are not of you, the places where I have shut you out, the places where I have uh, made things about me. And Lord, I ask that you would come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that I might live this life that you have set before me, a full life, the life of Jesus, a life of love. Amen. Lord, thank you for every person who's prayed that prayer. Lord, will you bless each one? And Lord, will you continue, Lord, to pour out your Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.